Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to God's Planning. I am Father Gregory Prime. Oh, gosh, I can't even say my own last name. Optimus tonight. Prime. <laughs> yes. Awesome. New ep- do- episode topic change. Yeah, exactly. Transformers. I had the uh, Optimus Prime Transformer growing up. Yeah. And had the, um, oh, that was so great. So for those of you who don't know, Optimus Prime was a uh, a machine, you know, so he was like a, what would you call him? Like a semi? Yeah, it was like <sighs> yeah. a semi truck that turned into a, like a battling robot machine, man. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so the back of the semi folded out into his little like uh, laboratory. And oh, um, like at the can- front of the uh, semi-hitch, there was this little thing, and you could push different buttons, and it would say different things. Oh. Um, and there was one button that said, I'm Optimus Prime. But I used to go around my house just pushing that button repeatedly, yes. not even letting it finish. So it'd be like, I'm up, I'm, I'm up, up, I'm, I'm up. up. Yeah. And then eventually, my dad took it and lost it. And then he didn't rediscover it for like seven years. Wow. <laughs> wow, when you were 28. Yeah, exactly. Um, Heartbreak. So yeah. I'm Father Gregory Pine, P-I-N-E, not Prime. And then this is Father Bonaventure. Father Bonaventure, um, at this point, when we've posted this episode, you've completed your semester. So this is live. <laughs> is that true? Well, I think so, yeah. It's gone so far. No, it's not that long. Yet. No, it's not long. No, this is my last year uh, in PhD, PhD studies in classes. So nice. I'm excited, I hope, God willing, Dea Valente, that this will be the last year I ever take exams, and I'll just have to give them from now on, which is different. What I've done you that become before. an actuary? Ooh. More exams. To More come. exams to come. Well, you got to do what you got to do. Chances are low, though. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna, I'm happy about that, and I have a lot of a comprehensive exams. So reading through the whole canon of Western philosophy and others, um, it, yeah, it'll be fun. And then learning French as a language to read but not speak. Nice. So it's like a code, <laughs> and it's a fun thing because I always discover. I know. Yeah, I. I I know how to read French mm-hmm. now. I can translate things. Mm-hmm. But when I listen to French people speak, I have no idea what they're talking about. It's a it's different awesome. language. Yeah. Um, but you always discover things. Like, who would have thought we was O-U-I? That's the, that doesn't make any sense. It's crazy. It should be W-E. Yeah. You know? I guess so, yeah. Yeah. So there's always, there's delights and excitements in that. But I'm not going to, I was thinking I should figure out how things actually sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but since the exam's so close, uh, I've learned what I call Bonaventure French. Mm-hmm. And so I, that is, has its own pronunciation. <laughs> and that's how I read. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to real, learn you don't real mess French. With that. Yeah. yeah, because it's, throw you off. it's much worse. Yeah. 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 Il Y. Uh. Yeah. Uh, there right, is. Yeah. 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 In Switzerland, I'll see if I can deploy some Bonaventure French. It's actually, yeah. It'll offend everyone. It probably sounds like German. Uh, got that's it. my suspicion. German okay. and Latin combined. <laughs> um, yeah. But that's. Uh, Good to go. Sweet. And it's tumultuous times, I suppose, too, which is nice. It's, uh, it's America. It's the fall. Mm. It's an even year. Yeah. So, you know. I think, actually, by the time we've posted this episode, the, um, it's live. the election has already, it's already taken place. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations, Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, I mean, Joe Biden. I mean, actually, who knows? <laughs> it's true. Everything is possible. Everything is possible. You know? If you believe. There's a wise poet who once said that. Everything is permitted without God, but everything is possible today, apparently. There it is. Father Bonaventure quoting Dostoevsky. It's like Michael Scott quoting Wayne Gretzky. Um, Did he quote Wayne Gretzky? Uh, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's, um, it's excellent. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about politics politics so uh, a couple of weeks back we had an episode on voting in anticipation of the election itself What'd kind you of say? like 
an apology for <laughs> why one ought to vote. Because I think like a lot of a lot of folks, well, maybe it's not a lot of folks, but I suspect some folks don't think that their vote really matters too terribly much. Every so we, vote matters. There you go. So we were might not be counted, about, but it matters. Bingo. Uh, so we were talking about, you know, kind of contribution to the common good by means of mm. um, the very thing that is, you know, kind of appointed for our contribution. So uh, in this, we're going to kind of zoom out now that we're uh, into a new political regime or the continuation of a political regime. Again, we have no idea what's about to happen because this is live. <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about politics and uh, what, uh, what politics entails or what politics is for, at just kind of in a more basic sense. What, what do we mean by politics? That's because, great, yeah. yeah, because I think like, I suppose, I suppose many people's first impression of politics is negative, or at least it has come to be negative. Um, so what would you say, you know, like man in the street I mean, type thing? What are we talking here? I think uh, politics and cynicism are like the same thing oh, today. I, it, unfortunately, right? Yeah, you yeah. Just, everyone thinks that if you, if you raise politics, it used to be like a discourse like religion where you, it was the politics religion you weren't allowed to mention Thanksgiving or they mm -hmm. were always mentioned Thanksgiving. You weren't allowed to bring up on first dates because they're kind of controversial. But for, for like because they dealt with substantial substantive issues that people could disagree about and not know how to, because people aren't rational all the time, know how to have good conversations with each other about this. They got offended when someone said you're wrong. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is crazy. Okay. Yeah. Um, but now it seems like you don't bring up politics because someone could kill you. Okay. I mean, or you could be hit or you could be, what? I mean, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or just, it's so frustrating because it's a realm of pure cynicism. Sure. I mean, when I when you think of, I think most people when I think of politics, I think of a person standing in front of a camera who's on either side of the House of Congress or in the Senate or something, and they're just saying something. And yeah, you think, yeah. what are they saying that for? What's the angle? It's yeah. it's really disheartening and depressing. Or when the president speaks, and you think, and this could reply to anyone who's president right now, um, <laughs> and and says something, you say, what does he really want? What's the angle? Yeah, you know, yeah. politics now, I think, is this like cynical. Oh, it, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, it's. Really, I don't like it. It's like watch. It's like watching the news or watching political discourse more broadly, um, with people of different generations. Yes, so I think our generation, when somebody makes a campaign promise, you know, I will not say a concrete proposal. Eh, well, you know, like somebody says, like we're going to put somebody on the moon. My first reaction is to go. Mm, you know, it's just like yeah, right. Really? Come on. You yeah, know, you're not serious. But I think um, there's there's still a kind of like. Mm, maybe latent trust among members of different generations That's true. regarding political promises or regarding like the deliverances of the news media, for instance, where I think the kind of general tendency over the past, whatever, 25 years has really been hollowing out the trust or um, the credit, like kind of like credulousness of the populace. Yes. Know? So as a result of which, I think you're right in that a lot of, a lot of political discourse right now is underwritten by deep, deep cynicism. And that you get the impression that the people saying the things don't even believe the things that they're saying. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, and everything becomes political. And unfortunately that in a sense is true, but not in the way that it should be. I mean, this is why it's so frustrating. I think, I don't know if you get this, this, this same feeling is politics is actually like a legitimate discipline of study. Mm -hmm. It's actually a noble way of life. Yeah. Um, I mean, tr the way now we're wearing, medieval costumes but um like the classical tradition or anyone who's trained up in even i mean 100 years ago or 50 years ago in in the western canon i mean paul a, a statesman mm -hmm. or a pol politician is in nicomachean ethics and aristotle's book about ethics like until book 10 that's the best life and then all of a sudden like the contemplative shows up or something we haven't seen him for nine books um but the but the statesman the person who does who orders the political life is the most important way of life. Uh, 
another example, um, early Greeks, one of the best things you could do, the most important thing to do is, is found a city. Mm-hmm. So like Xenophon's Anabasis, when he's marching back to the sea, his troops are always worried. He's got 10,000 men with him. They always worry that he's going to stop and just found a city with them. <laughs> and because that's what great men, and they know Xenophon is great. He's their captain. Yeah. And they know great men desire to found cities because that's where greatness is found. So, and not in a sort of cynical power, like he wanted to get power, but because if you're worthy of greatness, then you should take on great projects. And the greatest project is to organize the polis, the political sphere, how human beings get along. Yeah. You know? No, I think that like, there is a sense in which, so when we hear politics, we think about it as the current praxis of taking polls and um, kind of making strategic arrangements, strategery, lockbox, etc. Um, but when politics, you know, politics more broadly conceived or within the classical tradition is the kind of um, like kind of crowning discipline of ethics, you know, mm. so it's like, uh, it's like corporate ethics, right? So yeah. Um, Aristotle observes that that man is a political animal. St. Thomas Aquinas adds, you know, social animal, but political animal. Uh, and when we hear that, we think, you know, he's conniving, he's yeah. mischievous, you know, he's yeah. manipulative. But no, that's that that for him is descriptive. Mm-hmm. It's just that some of our ends are only ever realized in corporate disciplines or in corporate enterprises. Um, so we are meant for life in the city because he says the man who lives apart is either a beast or a god. Mm-hmm. Right, but to be a man is to really be engaged in praxis. It's to exercise one's practical reason and to comport oneself in an active life, so that he can, you know, be perfected in matters of agriculture or, or animal husbandry or, you know, like uh, whatever other like artisanal arts and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, like conceived in this like kind of third fourth century BC notion, but like so that they ultimately there can be a kind of corporate wealth and then a corporate tranquility of order within the polis so that people can like think about God and go from there. Yeah, you can transcend. I mean, the, Aristotle talks about there's, you, you develop, it starts the family is like the first level or something individual, then there's the family, um, and the family is able to achieve reproduction and all this. You're able to carry on human life with when you have a family unit. And then there's villages he has, and that's like basic needs. You know, you have to have a blacksmith, not everyone can be a blacksmith, but it's the, the city that actually everyone is striving for. So it's it's actually the primary end of, of the human being. In a sense, It's even though it's temporally, even though it comes later than individuals do, it is actually what we're tri- striving to. Because in the city, he says, in the village, he says, you can live. But in the city, you live well. Mm. And a life, well le- a life well lived is the aim of, of life. We're not just supposed to survive yeah. um, and get our, our food and sustenance, but actually we're supposed to develop culture in a sense in the city you can transcend the merely natural and biological mm-hmm. and that's why it's it the political is this realm this space uh, of for transcending and politics or the polis the city is his his version of this you could say the state it's kind of a bad translation but the the regime mm-hmm. the unity the community the you could say the polity is the republic you know is actually the ent- the highest entity it has its it has its own unity. It has its own descriptors, and the politician is supposed to be dealing with that, taking, caring, tending, feeding the polis, the polity, the republic, so that everyone can live lives well. Mm-hmm. So it's such a noble, noble thing, but different view of it. Yeah, and I think that like there, the kind of primacy is accorded to the good, right? So when Saint Thomas builds up his understanding of the natural law, he says that um, there are certain goods with which human beings engage 
which just are constitutive. You know, it's just like without these things, life would not be livable or worth living. You know, so on account of the fact that you're a substance, you want to preserve your existence. He said, this is a kind of very basic thing. On account of the fact that you're an animal, you want to procreate and educate your children. You know, so you think about those two things as preserving your individual life and then handing on your specific, your species' life. But then he says, by virtue of the fact that we're rational animals, you know, we want to know the truth about God. We want to live in society. We want to shun ignorance. We want to avoid offending those with whom we live. And so there are certain goods, highest goods, which can only ever be realized in, in political discourse, effectively, you know, like in the life of the polity. And so the, the city is the setting for which man attains to his heights, you know, the kind of full grandeur of his natural and, you know, we can go on to say supernatural vocation. But in order to kind of gain purchase on that, uh, we're going to take a look at different fundamental understandings of political forms of life. Uh, but before we do that, double before, we're going to take a break. This is God's Planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org slash godsplaining. And we are back. Uh, we are at God. We are at God's planning. Man, I am just slaying these introductions. I'm opposition prime. Prepositions are tough. And this is an episode of Transformers. Um, so thanks so much <laughs> for joining us. <laughs> exactly for joining us on our robot special. Uh, we're talking about politics, life in the polis. Um, but here, you know, on the one hand, we can just tell you that there are better ways of understanding politics in ancient and medieval forms, but it doesn't really cash out if it has you know, no purchase on the present. So let's talk about the different principal ways in which people understand the political regime now and now in these days and, and like how those are kind of at work. So you've got basically like political liberalism and yeah. you've got Republican politics. And that's not just to say you've got like mm. Republicans and Democrats. It's yeah. a different thing. It's a different way of con like conceiving of political discourse in which both parties may or may not participate. So first, yeah. I liberal think politics. I mean, liberal politics is in some ways we're so downstream of this. It's the air we breathe that yeah. it's to even explain it. You're like, well, of course that just is politics. Yeah, like yeah. an important part mm. with any analysis of so they just look, realize that thing you thought was actually X is just one conception of X, and it mm -hmm. might not even be the best conception of X. So with like, with so liberal liberal democracy, liberal politics, and that's a small L, by the way. So this is all small L, and then we'll talk about Republican and small R. Mm -hmm. These are just ways of understanding the organism. You could say of politics, the discipline, and with liberal politics, the emphasis is on the individual. This is we're coming from John Locke, we're coming from Thomas Thomas Hobbes, Bacon. We're doing the moderns, you could say, and there's this Adam Smith, even um, Rousseau. This idea that the fundamental core unit uh, is is the individual, and of course, it's the, what else are there, right? It's the human version of atomism. There's a reductionism here, of course. I'm sorry, I I, I moved to critique too immediately. <laughs> anyway, it's just where we are, right? We are, and so in a liberal conception of politics, the the polis, the society, is a aggregate it's a collection it's like a jar of of uh, m&ms mm. with different colored things in it mm. and the job is your job is in to how you organize this is to make sure that everyone's rights are respected mm -hmm. so the liberal view is that individuals are equal yes uh they have rights mm -hmm. and we get together as a political community yeah. to secure our needs while protecting our rights. And we enter what people know, again, everyone knows this, social contracts sort of things. We make a deal, right? There's some implicit agreement that, you know, 
I'll pay taxes if you take all my trash. Mm -hmm. the, the only reason we're together in a group is because we need stuff from each other. And yeah. the best, and we just political community is about figuring out the best way for us to get it. Yeah, and I think too. Um, so some of those rights that you describe are we we would recognize them as natural rights, and then some of those rights are defined, mm. you know, by the actual political regime. Um, but uh, I think liberal politics tries to be neutral with respect to the good, mm -hmm. which I think is is distinctive of liberal politics. It's not actually setting a good uh, to right. for the common consideration of the people or for their common striving. It's trying to be neutral with respect to the good and that each is free to pursue the good as he or she conceives of it. Um, and my rights end where your rights begin. Yeah. But within my particular zone of freedom, I can comport myself as I see fit. Yeah. Um, and so even though, and you know, this is like a little bit of, you know, criticism bringing in Alistair McIntyre's who's justice, which rationality, you, you can already begin to see that the tension there of trying to be neutral with respect to the good is uh, significant and places great strain on the polity. Because whenever you're defining rights, those rights are with respect to duties of a certain sort. Mm -hmm. And those duties are with respect to certain claims uh, on your personhood or on your family or whatever. So there's always, and they there's can't always be, attention. Yeah, and they can't be merely procedural. That's liberal politics says, let's do, let, we're just going to be procedural about things. We'll have rules of, of recognition about how to do these, adjudicate claims. But we don't make claims. We just have rules about how to adjudicate between claims in a neutral sphere. And I think it's, well, there, one is a claim. And two, it's very difficult because people do have different claims that they make and conceptions of the good life. I mean, liberal politics, of course, develops out of wars of religion and the, the more robust political view, you could say, that is people are dying. So it's a response to a particular kind of historical narrative and a development of intellectual life in terms of equality and understanding of uh, a leveling out of human beings and they're moving away from a hierarchy. It's a long genealogy. So it's not like someone just, some evil genie just thought up liberal politics. It comes out of a particular, but these are in a sense, it's, it's, it's downsides are that it's, it has this reductionist element to it, you could say. I think everyone feels that, right? Because Hobbes says, well, it's a, it's a war against of all against all. Mm -hmm. And you do get a feel, of, especially today, if anyone thought liberal politics was nothing but, uh, was anything but a war of all against all, it's quite clear that no, liberal politics today, again, small liberal, so modern politi political forms, is the most tribalistic, violent, at least in words, but oftentimes in deeds, uh, interaction. I mean, this is... Sure, we're not in fascist communist regimes that are fighting out in other countries, but like I think everyone feels today, we are extremely divided, and we are a free, liberal, democratic nation. Yeah, so maybe to kind of recover something of um, past riches, uh, so as to reorient the conversation, and maybe help us to think along more, um, I don't know, classically political lines in our discussions that we host among friends and family, and maybe in our own contribution uh, to the polity. We can talk then about Republican politics. Um, and here you said, you know, whereas with liberal politics, we see man as an individual with rights. Yeah. Uh, here we see man more as a part of a whole. And now, mind you, mm. again, for those downstream of the middle of the 20th century, we, we see in that the specter of a totalitarian regime. It's like, yeah. I don't want to be subordinated to yeah. some like ersatz, whatever, like moral organism, you know, that you call the Reich or the, whatever. Yeah, the, st the state shows up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then people start to get super nervous. But I think here it's helpful just to just like talk a little bit more about what it means to be a part of a whole, uh, mm -hmm. because here we're talking about a classical conception of 
the common good, yeah, right? Which common good isn't just the aggregate of all of our private and individual goods. It's like you said, it's a transcendent thing. Mm-hmm. So like the good of a family is its own interior order, right? And then its orientation to higher associations like the polity or like the church. Um, but the good of the family isn't something that people really like cash out on, you mm-hmm. know? So like- It's not like your, I, here's my part of the good of the family and your part, we bring those together and like our, with our powers combined, if we can mix, you we know? We summon Captain Planet. Yeah, exactly. We summon the good of the family no. by our individual rings. It's like by each, by each, like by each individual's contribution to the good of the family. And that contribution isn't like doing chores necessarily. That contribution can be like having children. You know, by, by making a contribution to the good of the family, one builds out a common good, right? Which transcends the individual or private good of each of its members. So it's the type of thing where like when you think about it in terms of divorce, all right? When, mm-hmm. when, when two people get divorced, it's not like one of them takes half of their nuptial bliss and the other takes the other half. No one gets anything, okay? Because the unit has been dissolved and as a result of which its common good has like evaporated. Yeah. Right? And the, and the individual's, inside the unit are defined in a sense by the so we again you raise the specter like i don't want to be defined in terms of some large large unity but if you think of the family that's that's how i mean dad and mom what's father and mother those are roles relationships but it's not like a just a hat they wear um nor would it be right to say or like children um that our identity is enmeshed in this as being parts of a particular whole and it'd be i mean i never experienced this but like there are some families who just go by first names or something, it, it feels weird. Like, it feels like, you know, you're, th- that's not right. There's something, because, <laughs> because then you're treating, you're treating that, well, you're in a sense not admitting the unity of a family as a separate thing. You've mm-hmm. reduced it to these individuals. So it just happens to be that we're a collection of three to four people, and some of us are younger than other ones, and others have been inside other ones, you know, for nine months or whatever. But that's just not, that's not important. Like, those don't set up any relationships, and that we're just four people say, two, two parents and two children, in a particular geographical space. You know, I can map you, and there's no difference in that than four random people somewhere else kind of get, and they just, you know, everything is up for, there's no past history or, or in a sense, orientation to who you are as an individual. Whereas everyone, I hope, knows that if you're a human being, you're a son or a daughter or a mother or a father or an aunt or a cousin, these relationships, and they're constituent of you. They're mm-hmm. not just kind of things you take on like a job where yeah. I used to work as a contractor and now I work as a plumber. They're, I can't get rid of the fact that, for instance, I am an uncle. And that means something about who I am and this sort of greater whole of the family. Yeah, within this paradigm, you are born into relationships. So on the other paradigm, basically all of your relationships are elective. Mm-hmm. Right? You choose them and you arrange them contractually. And you are only bound insofar as you choose to be bound. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this paradigm, you are born bound, right? So you are born the son of parents. You are born, you know, a speaker of this language. You are, you know, like born by water um, into this particular faith community. And those things are decisive for who you are as an individual, but you haven't chosen any of them. And as a result of which certain rights and duties arise by virtue of the interrelations. And so like when we talk about the common good, we're just talking about uh, the order that obtains among the persons who pertain to a particular unit of life. So yeah. It could be the family. It could be the polity. I mean, the polity in this particular episode is the focus. could be the church. But what we are kind of meditating on in the discipline of politics is how better to orchestrate the unity mm-hmm. among these different relationships, among these different persons, and to ameliorate the relationships among them so that each and all 
corporately together um, can contribute to uh, the unity of the whole, the tranquility of order, the kind of flourishing of the citizenry, and also its orientation beyond that to higher good still. And you could, I mean, you, you can do a modern family or you just get a liberal family in the small L sense. And what's that look like? It's when like individual family members meet against each other and they set up contracts, like they set up agreements and this sort of thing. And that happens during like family counseling sessions. And you can, so you could imagine a like liberal modern family account of, of, the, of the, the family's good, but everyone would agree that something was wrong about that. There'd been a breakdown between the family and you'd want to move away from that and heal it. And yet, interestingly enough, it's, you read modern politics as in a sense like family polity therapy that mm. for a while we were fighting with each other and so instead of like fixing things we went to this weird like no we just can't be together let's go to contracts and we'll talk to a counselor as a large image yeah yeah yeah. that's that's really fascinating um i think there that like uh, because of the cynicism that we described at the beginning, a lot of people are kind of content to throw up their hands and say, I mean, what else are we capable of? Yeah. So maybe we have like a few more minutes at the end of the mm. episode. Um, how does one then in this kind of present evil age, uh, in the current political dispensation, how, how does one exercise his or her political virtues in a way that actually contributes to the common good and which actually seeks to better the relationships that obtain among members of a family, members of a polity, members of a church, um, and to make a genuine contribution in light of these common goods around which, around which we like, congregate. So like, so like what is to be done? Because casting a vote is not enough. Right or just mm-hmm. kind of going in for uh, political therapy sessions, as yes. it were, also seems inadequate. So, so like, what are practical steps? Yeah, there's none. It's hopeless. <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> uh, so, what I've been thinking about, reflecting on, is is uh, and this seems like a small thing, but to to remind myself that I'm a citizen. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really it's really important that I'm an American citizen. Right? And then the minute you say that, all of a sudden we get fractures again. We say, oh, well, who gets to be a citizen and who's let in? And so what does it mean? But we need to start talking, but just like, for instance, if a father goes from like a father to Todd, you know, and someone eventually says, no, what, actually, I'm not just Todd. I'm actually a father. Like, that means something. I think it's, it's helpful for us to remind ourselves and each other and talk about being American citizens. Because even bring that up, draws about a relationship and understanding. Now, there'll be many conflicts and discussions about what exactly that means. Just like in a family, there's sometimes questions like, we don't do that in this family. And you might say, well, maybe we should, or what, that kind of thing. But those are healthy discussions. And we don't have those kind of discussions. But it, it happens first, though, in realizing that we all live in that same space, not as a contractual space, but like as a committed space, as a part of my identity. Mm-hmm. So to, think, to, to talk about the fact of America, American exceptionalism, American citizenship, American, these sort of things. Uh, I think Hamilton, in some ways, was a, an attempt at this of bringing up the issue of us being in a project together. Um, you know, this, the, the musical yeah. that unfortunately, because of the late unpleasantness, just did not, was not able to do what it, what it could do. But that kind of, again, inspiring, inspiring work to remind ourselves of our status as, as people in a, in a country, in a republic together, and then to work out what that means, not what we want individually, but as what we are as a, as a community. I think too that um, to kind of get local uh, is a good way to go about it. I think a lot of people are thinking this way when it comes to food, but not necessarily with respect to politics, because we can look at the highest tiers of governments or even of ecclesial government. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we might read the news about what Pope Francis said or read the news about whatever the president of the United States said and feel like we can't really contribute at all um, yeah. to the decision-making processes, which inform whatever pronouncement. And that may lead us to a kind of 
feeling of despair. But there are things that can be done from the bottom up, right? And by virtue of subsidiarity, that's that's in truth the best way by which to go about it is to is to think local because those are the things that you love most, and mm-hmm. as a result of which, those are the things where you're going to be most inspired to make genuine um, and like concrete contributions. Mm-hmm. So I think like in terms of like the homeowners association, okay, this is something that's very simple, um, and it's not uh, it's not glorious work because it will often have you fighting with people much older than you who have uh, deeply ingrained notions as to what it means to be the president of the HOA. But like you can make your neighborhood a better place, a less crazy place. Uh, you can save yourself money. You can increase your property value. You can open your pool um, when maybe folks are still kind of nervous about public health situations. And you're like, dude, we need the pool. You know, so like you, you can do concrete things in an HOA. You can do concrete things on a school board, mm-hmm. for instance, which actually have serious practical import for curriculum building and for the education of your children and grandchildren. You know, these are, these are ways in which we can contribute and it may be frustrating, right? But, but in dealing with the frustration attendant upon that, we can, you know, kind of cultivate the virtues of healthy engagement be it, in know. the political in in the political realm again the political realm is just national politics or what's on cnn or but actually no no it's the community you live in like yeah. we and the rules we live under that so i agree that's it's actually directing right to the political you're doing you're having political action there in the way that actually matters and importantly yeah so i think maybe we'll just leave it with that uh as a kind of general commendation of engaging does everyone have to be engaged in these type of active pursuits no not 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 really i mean you can be completely content to contribute in whatever ways the Lord has kind of made known in his providence, but don't let the fear of frustration or don't let um, kind of the despair of feeling yourself, uh, I don't know, like your your advice left unsolicited or your contribution left untapped. Don't let that paralyze you from making a real real contribution. Uh, So I think that's all we got. So thanks so much for listening to God's Planning. Uh, If you have some friends who have been in a real political slump since the election. You know, they've been licking their wounds or they've been sad or they've been thrown for a loop. Maybe something like this could uh, help them uh, to kind of reorient their gaze on things that are practically realizable. So you can go ahead and share that with them. Uh, but please do continue, uh, continue liking and sharing on social media and sharing with your friends. We're greatly appreciative. And we will uh, chat with you next time on God's Planning. Thanks for listening to God's Plan, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.